I want to start off by saying that April and Josiah have done an amazing job the last two weeks with the messages that they've presented. And if you miss those, I encourage you to go back and to listen to them. Uh, Chris actually asked me if I would I would speak from Second Samuel, which um, the gist of what he wanted me to share is within this sermon. But Job was really speaking to me, so I'm going to be sharing um, from Job this morning. Fifteen thousand one hundred and sixty-five days. It's the number of days that I've been alive. Nine thousand and eleven days is the number of days between April twenty-first, nineteen ninety-eight, and December twenty-second of twenty twenty-two. And those are two of the most significant days of my life. On April twenty-first, nineteen ninety-eight, Wayne and I started dating. On December 22nd, 2022, Lena passed away. And out of those 9,011 days, most of them were amazing. A few of them were tough. But none of them were as hard as any day since December 22nd of last year. Lena and I had as perfect of a marriage as two imperfect people could have. We were more than best friends. We used to say that we weren't just BFFs, but OFFs, each other's only friends forever. We spent all of our time together. We rarely ever had a disagreement, and we never had one for the last two and a half years that she was alive after she was diagnosed with cancer. Because once you realize that your time with someone is limited, nothing else is important. You just want to make every moment that you have with that person a good memory. Lena and I put God at the center of our marriage. We attended church every Sunday. We attended small groups and Bible study. Lena sang on the worship team. I ran the technology and sound. I filled in and preached for the pastor. We led youth group. I served on the church board. We volunteered at the food pantry. We gave to those in need. We raised our children in the church. We did all the things that you're supposed to do. We were blessed and we knew it. We didn't take it for granted. I felt like God had just decided to bless us, and in return, we wanted to share those blessings with other people. I was so happy and content with my life. I have a great job, which I love and I find rewarding. I had an amazing marriage. I have great kids. Life was better than good. Until we found out that Lena had cancer. It was two and a half years of ups and downs. I prayed every word and every combination of words that I could think of. I asked the Holy Spirit to intervene on my behalf and pray for me. I had absolute faith that God was going to heal her and use her story as a testimony. Even when Lita told me that she knew she wasn't going to live, A few weeks before she passed, 
I still had faith that God was going to make a way. Every night I would kiss Lena on the forehead and tell her that I loved her before I went to bed. Every morning I would check to make sure that she was still breathing because she didn't want our kids to find their mother dead. For two and a half years, that was the bookends of every day. On December 22nd last year, I kissed Lena on the forehead and I told her that I loved her. And I laid down beside her in a chair at the hospice house for the last time. Now, every day I wake up and I wish I could check on her to see if she's still breathing. Every night, I wish I could kiss her on the forehead and tell her that I love her. But I can't. That is now the bookends of every day. Have you ever felt like the best parts of your life are in the rearview mirror? Growing smaller and smaller? While all that you see ahead of you is endless pain and suffering and agony. Have you ever felt like you've been abandoned and that you're all alone? Have you ever been upset at God and think, why has this happened to me? This isn't fair. I feel all those things. And I'm not the first. A man named Job had these feelings too. Today we're going to learn about Job and see what happened in his life and how he responded to it. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turn preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. 
Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in through the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. So Job had a great life, and in an instant, everything changed. But Job still praised the Lord. Unfortunately for Job, things didn't get any better. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been trolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life. But reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. Do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes, 
His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Again, Job faced hard times, but he didn't waver in his belief that God is good. At this time, Job has three friends show up to comfort him. When three of Job's friends heard of this tragedy that he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Temite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. And it's at this point that Job starts to share how he is feeling. At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it. Let the darkness terrify it. Let the night be blotted off the calendar, never again to be counted among the days of the year, never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing, whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let it be morning star remain dark. Let it hope for light, but in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me from her breasts? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers, whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes rich in gold, whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried still? Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death, The wicked cause no trouble, and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death, with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are both there, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery, and life to those who are bitter? They long for death, and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Those God has surrounded with difficulties. I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. At this point, Job's friends begin to respond to him 
there's a lot of chapters in Job, and we're not going to get into all of it, but I am going to go over some of the verses. That way we can get a feel for what the conversation look like between Job and his friends. Then Eliphaz the Temite replied to Job, Will you be patient and let me say a word? For who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who are weak. Your words have supported those who are failing. You encourage those with shaky knees. But now, when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life integrity give you hope? Then Job spoke again. If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. That is why I spoke impulsively. For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poisons infect my soul. God's terrors are lined up against me. Don't I have a right to complain? Don't wild donkeys bray when they find no grass? And oxen bellow? When they have no food? Don't people complain about unsalted food? Does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied to Job. How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children must have sinned against him, so their punishment was well-deserved. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all this is true in principle. But how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty, who has ever challenged him successfully? Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Yet, when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares to ask, what are you doing? And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. So who am I that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. Then Zophar the Namathite replied to Job, Shouldn't someone answer this torrent of words? Is a person proved innocent just by a lot of talking? Should I remain silent while you babble on? When you mock God, shouldn't someone make you ashamed? You claim my beliefs are pure, 
and I am clean in the sight of God. If only God would speak. If only he would tell you what he thinks. If only he would tell you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom is not a simple matter. Listen. God is doubtless punishing you far less than what you deserve. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? If God comes and puts a person in prison and calls the court to order, who can stop him? For he knows those who are false, and he takes note of all their sins. An empty-headed person won't become wise any more than a wild donkey can bear a human child. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer, get rid of your sins and leave all inequity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will become like water flowing away. Then Job spoke again. You people really know everything, don't you? And when you die, wisdom will die with you. Well, I know a few things myself. And you're no better than I am. Who doesn't know these things that you've been saying? Yet my friends laugh at me, for I call on God and expect an answer. I am a just and blameless man, yet they laugh at me. People who are at ease mock these in trouble. They give a push to people who are stumbling. Job goes on to plead with God to meet with him so he can examine whether or not Job is at fault. Job and his three friends continue to go back and forth in this same way for a while. Finally, God replies. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that has questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstones as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? God continues to ask Job more questions that are very similar to these. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove that you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like this? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, for your own strength would save you. 
God continues along in this same way until Job responds. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and that no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things that I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and I must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, the second Kazah, and the third Karen Hapuch. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with the brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long and full life. Job experienced his life falling apart. Though he lived his life in accordance with the way that God had asked him to. He was an obedient man of integrity. When he faced hard times, he expressed his pain, and he asked God why. Eventually, he acknowledged that God's ways were above his ways, and that he would continue to worship him. So, how do we respond to this? The first way that I'd love for us to respond to this is to realize that it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you do, as a Christian, you will have struggles. There's no amount of good deeds that will stop you from suffering in this life. The second thing that we need to learn is that it's okay to lament to God, but you have to do it with fear and understanding that He is on the throne. Recognize that we can tell God that we don't understand, but recognize that his ways are above our ways and know that he is where our help comes from. And finally, 
We need to respond by putting our trust in God. I trust God. Even after everything that's happened, I still trust Him. Some days I have to say to God, I believe, help my unbelief. I know God loves me, even when I don't understand His ways. I just have to have faith and believe in His plan. Thank you.